0: Jacqueline. and I'm Courtney and this is Caffeinated Crimes.
1: We do want to put a disclaimer at the top of the episode that hopefully this audio is listenable and okay because we just finished our Patreon episode recording for this month and it was it was a little wonky so you know we'll see how this one turns out. Um, maybe this is the last episode that is just terrible and we have to re-record and I'm just talking to myself and Courtney right now um, but <laughs> If this does make it to your ears and it's a little off, we apologize. And hopefully next week's will be better.
0: Yeah, I don't really know what happened. I restarted my internet. We've
1: closed and opened the Zoom a few times. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, don't know. Yeah, we've been on like eight Zoom calls tonight between trying to figure that out and then just having multiple episodes and, you know. And now it's already 10 o'clock at night. And now we're starting this episode. (laughs) So. Yeah. So.
0: You know, you guys have gotten a lot of chit chat lately from PB and J Gate. You've gotten a lot of all of that. Um, So we have one update and then maybe we should just go ahead and get into the episode.
1: Yeah. You know, if there's nothing worthwhile to say, then I say, we just say nothing and just get to it. But we do have. We can can chit
0: chat at the the perk of the week. If if yes, it is. If we have something to say by then, but...
1: If, if our brains have fired up, it's already working by that point. um, Yeah, we do have a super sad update about a crash that happened in Meigs County, Tennessee. So a deputy with the Meigs County Sheriff's Office, uh, Robert Leonard, was out on patrol. He arrested a woman, and the next day, I think the car was found first, right? Like, they never... Um. Yeah. Like, like he never he arrived never back at the station.
0: Showed up somewhere. They couldn't mm-hmm. find him, and so I think they tracked the car and found the car.
1: Yeah, and then unfortunately they did find the body of 35 year old Tabitha Smith in the back seat. Um, she had been arrested, so she was handcuffed and was trapped in the back seat of this car in the river. Um, and the deputy's body was found the next day. Um. So they did say that he is new to the area. Um, The road that he was driving on, it seems like it just leads straight into the river. Like you see like the double yellow Mm -hmm. lines until like just a few feet before there's a ramp that goes straight into the river. Um, So maybe he wasn't very familiar with the area. You know, it was dark. He didn't know exactly where he was going and there could be something more to this, but it seems like he just accidentally drove into the river. um, So, and did unfortunately, kill him and the woman who was in the back seat as well. Um she did have two children and he had five children, so just super super tragic all around.
0: Yeah, and apparently this is a common thing. It's I thought it was like weird when I first read it, but in Hardin County, Tennessee, at least six people drove off of boat ramps um oh just last gosh. year. Wow. Um and they say it's super easy, especially if it's dark, if it's foggy, okay. if anything i mean the picture is literally like you're driving down the road and then you're just in the water um they're like just little death traps um just put a gate up or something i don't know what we can do in
1: these like
0: small towns to like prevent this but it was exactly absolutely tragic
1: and like courtney talked about just like imagining that poor woman who's in the back seat and handcuffed and has so his body was found he had drowned outside of the car, so he had gotten out, but she was obviously trapped in the car because she was handcuffed. So like you're just literally trapped and have and no it's way like to even try a police to police
0: car. You can't just open the backseat exactly. door. You know, like
1: there's no exactly
0: way out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just super sad. Yeah. Well thankfully, um this one's not too sad. It's not mm-hmm. like a murder crime um and yes. honestly this was almost a lost episode that never happened because <laughs> i couldn't find any information so it's a little different than we normally do but you know we just you guys have listened to a lot of hard shit on this podcast so why mm-hmm. don't we just like lighten it up a little bit um we thought this was going to be time perfectly well i thought it was going to be a happy coincidence that this would come out the week of the oscars it does not um (laughs) we always seem to miss it just enough (laughs) so um but if you're still preparing for the oscars here you go (laughs) so our sources we have quite a few of them um used a time article a pbs article a biography.com article a business cider article a new york times article a history.com article a barbie media article you haven't figured out what this episode's about, and a Washington Post article. So, Ruth Moskowitz was born into a family of Russian Jewish. Oh, I think I forgot to mention this is an espresso because it's so short. So, I'll be doing all the talking. Yes.
1: This will just be Courtney. I am along for the ride to learn along with you all. <laughs> I was like, I normally say it's an espresso, and I didn't this time. So, We said we are not firing on all cylinders today, okay? We're not. (laughs) We're doing our best. Our computers aren't. We aren't. (laughs) It's not. No. So
0: Ruth Moskowitz was born into a family of Russian Jewish immigrants in Denver, Colorado in 1916. And she met Elliot Handler in high school. He was an artistic young man, and they got married right after high school. And they moved to Los Angeles in 1938. So Elliot started to make furniture out of two new plastics, uh, lucite and plexiglass. So it was kind of new at the time. He started making furniture out of it. So Ruth suggested he turn the furniture making into a business. She was like, we can just like have our own little business and sell it, you know? So she decided to work as a sales force and closed a big deal with Douglas aircraft among like quite a few other companies Um, And during World War II, Elliot and a business partner, Harold Mattson, started Mattel. So Mattel is a combination of Elliot's name with Harold's last name, Mattson. So
1: Mattel. Cute. Good to know.
0: I know. We love it when it has like some meaning and not just found a word in a dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: this one sounds good.
0: (laughs) So on weekends... Home from more time duties. Elliot made toy furniture for Ruth to sell, so he started making just little toy furniture for like dolls and stuff like that. um And by the mid 1940s, the business was doing quite well. It was taking in revenues of two million dollars, which is like 43 million dollars today.
1: Wow! I was like, oh, this was a long time ago, so that amount's going to be very high in today's dollars. Very
0: high. <laughs> I think that's like a common theme. Anytime I mentioned like numbers are always really high, then you have to think, Mm -hmm. wow, they're like 50 times that now, basically. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So Mattel borrowed money and proceeded to make plastic ukuleles, toy pianos, and launched a music box that sold 20 million units by 1952. Their company also created the Chatty Cathy, which I didn't know that.
1: Oh, I did not know that either. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. So Ruth actually had the idea of creating more mature looking dolls to play with. Um, I think she was saying she saw her daughter play with like a paper doll. I kind of think I know what she's talking about where you could like put just the clothes on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was like a flat paper doll. Mm -hmm. And she was like, maybe I can make like a more mature looking doll. But many people at Mattel thought no mother would buy their daughter a doll with breasts. They're like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So. Then in 1956, Elliot and Ruth and their teenage children, Barbara and Ken, took a trip to Europe. Here they saw a doll that looked like an adult woman, which was way different from the typical baby doll. Um, And it was a Build Lily novelty doll. I hope that's right. Um, So the character was created by Reinhard Buthen and debuted in comics of German newspaper. I'm actually going to be inserting a... um, voice note here because i've listened to this <laughs> i've listened to this a bunch of times i can't say it i can it's still not coming out right <laughs> no. so i want to say thank you so so much to lucy for sending me this and now you're on the podcast <laughs>
1: thank you, lucy. we appreciate um, so you
0: <laughs> it is this german newspaper
1: Bild Zeitung. thank you lucy because we would yeah. not have gotten that out of our mouths <laughs> build site
0: that's my attempt but (laughs) (laughs) she said it beautifully so yes we're gonna let lucy (laughs) handle that perfect (laughs) so the novelty the the character debuted in that newspaper in 1952 um and she was portrayed as a gold digger exhibitionist and a floozy she was often half dressed and she became popular and they turned her into a doll which was like a novelty toy to give men as like a gag gift Mm -hmm. basically where Mm -hmm. it was just like a joke it wasn't like for children to play with it was like oh you can have this doll that's in these comics Mm -hmm. um funko pops before funko pops were a thing basically (laughs) She had an exaggerated physique, including a disproportionately large chest, blue eyeshadow, and a blonde ponytail. So, and the pictures are really funny. We'll have to post a picture with the episode because they're funny. (laughs) But this really inspired Ruth. Um, So she bought, like many of the dolls home and reworked them to make them a little bit more kid friendly. You know, maybe made the boobs a little bit smaller and the eyeshadow a little (laughs) bit less blue. (laughs) Tame it down just a little bit. Yeah. And after three years, Mattel launched their version called Barbie. So Barbie debuted at the 1959 toy fair in New York city. And she was wearing a black and white striped bathing suit. Um, And Barbie was the first mass produced doll to be sold in the United States with adult features. Um, The doll was 11 inches tall with long legs, red lipstick, and the bathing suit that we mentioned. They also had a few different, like, outfit changes for Barbie, and I'll get into it more, obviously. Barbie (laughs) ended up having a a vast wardrobe. Um, Really? She did. Tell me more, Courtney. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, and Barbie took off immediately and sold 300,000 dolls in the first year. So the handlers decided to take Mattel to the public in 1960. So they kind of had this company, but they're really like, okay, Mm -hmm. Mattel is like, we're ready to be a big company. And they valued it at $10 million, which is $104 million today. And it was quickly on its way to becoming a Fortune 500. Barbie was a huge success from the start and quickly an icon. So we're going to go a little sidetrack for some Barbie
1: facts. I love a Barbie fact.
0: Yes, have a good little. I had to keep it kind of short because I could keep you guys here all day if I did all of them. But <laughs> so her full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts. Um, we know her first name comes from Ruth's daughter. I couldn't find anywhere where her middle and last name came from. Like, yeah, I'm not the sure reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see their son's middle name is Robert, so I don't know if maybe they got that from that. Sense. So I don't know if maybe like. Their daughter's middle name was also Millicent, and that's why they chose that. I, mm-hmm. that's an assumption. I literally can't find anything yeah. at all about the other two names, like where they came from. <laughs> so she is from the fictional Willows, Wisconsin, and she first sold for $3. Um, mm-hmm. The first commercial for Barbie aired during Mickey Mouse Clubhouse in 1959, which I did not know Mickey Mouse Clubhouse was so old.
1: No, I didn't either. Wow,
0: do you think they were singing "Hot Dog, Hot Dog, Hot Diggity Dog" in
1: 1959? <laughs> um, <laughs> that feels very 90s. I'm sure that came a little later. <laughs> I know. Oh, so over no, the I'm span sing of that her song for the rest of the night. So, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I will be too. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, over the span of her existence, she's had over 250 careers. So, from rock star to astronaut, doctor, paleontologist, president. I mean. This day, you have a Barbie everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but back when she was first released, the public soon wanted, like, a boyfriend for Barbie, a male mm-hmm. counterpart. Um, so they introduced Ken Carson in 1961. Ken was named after their son, Kenneth. So, mm-hmm. um, And I did read that he wasn't a huge fan later in life. Oh, about That's sad. It's probably because everyone you meet go,
1: <laughs> Ken?
0: Um, yeah, I can imagine know. that. That would get old real fast. Um, so... But, and I also read that apparently Barbie and Ken have broken up and gotten back together a few times. Oh. <laughs> Do what you want with your Barbies, honestly. Um, <laughs> but they also introduced friends and family of Barbie, including Midge in 1963. A year later, her sister Skipper. Um, and they eventually introduced dolls named after Ruth and Elliot's grandchildren, too, including Stacy, Todd, and Cheryl. So,
1: oh, I
0: didn't know yeah. those were their grandchildren. Okay. I didn't either. Um, I didn't know there were so many Barbies. I mean, I played with Barbies, but there's so many variations. Like I didn't even
1: know. Oh, yes. Oh, I know all the Barbie names. I had all the Barbie books. I had all the... Yes. Yeah. I figured most of these facts. I was like, Jacqueline's probably all going to know all this, but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully I surprised you with a few. Yes, you did. Um, For those of you who do not know, my mom was obsessed with Barbies. Like had Every single Barbie, like I had all of her, like original. I mean, I guess it was only a few years old at that point because my mom was born like five years after Barbie came out. Um, mm-hmm. But like the camper and like the airplane and like the all the everything Barbie, just yeah. So yes, we we like Barbie in this
0: household. Which I was thinking, I was like, Barbie was kind of expensive, like three dollars. I feel yeah. like in that day's money, like that would probably have been like quite a bit of money to get a Barbie yeah, that, doll. <laughs> definitely, that's what I was thinking too. I was I was surprised by that. Yeah. Um, they did introduce a black doll in the Barbie universe in 1968, um, but it wouldn't be until 1980 that they had like a black and Latina Barbie doll. So mm-hmm. the black doll in the Barbie universe like, had a different name. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a black Barbie. So that wasn't until 1980, which I still thought was a lot sooner than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> I would true. have thought that had been way later. Um Yeah. And in 2016, Barbie tried to release more diverse Barbies, called them the Barbie Fashionistas. So they came in four body types, seven skin tones, 22 eye colors, and 24 hairstyles. So mm-hmm. those are just kind of a few Barbie facts. If you have any that, you know, off the top of your head, you want to throw in here, but uh, that's kind of the what I got. Or if you want to say your favorite Barbie, you can do that too. I like stereotypical Barbie probably because that's probably the one I played with. <laughs>
1: i don't even know if i have a favorite barbie because i just love i remember though because you mentioned stacy and like i remember reading a lot of books about stacy because she was like the younger one and it was like oh i like identified with her because she was like the kid because barbie was like the cool like older person you know and like i Mm -hmm. was like the same age as stacy when i was like reading the books and everything um i can't i'm trying to think about if there's any barbie facts um but no, my favorite Barbie fact, obviously, is that her middle name is Billicent, which is my child's name. But I also did not learn that fact until, like, my child was almost two years old. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is a funny coincidence. It was, like, yeah, knowing so much about Barbie and not knowing that. Um, but those were some, some good facts. I yeah. Thank you for sharing.
0: Yeah, of course. Just so everyone could kind of, you know, know a few. Um, yes. But So we'll go back to the 1960s now. <laughs> <laughs> Mattel soon faced backlash from the creators of... Build Lily again. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, so the German company Grainer and Hauser sued Mattel in 1961, alleging infringement of its patent for the doll hip joint used on the Lily doll. Don't really know, but they did settle out of court in 1963. Um, in 1964, they did purchase the company's like copyright and patent rights, I guess, to avoid further lawsuits when they're doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in 2001. Grainer and Hauser sued again trying to get royalties from every Barbie doll ever sold. Wow. But that case was eventually dismissed. Um, The company was also sued in 1980 by Jack Ryan, who was a former designer at Mattel. He said he actually created Barbie and named it after his wife. So he's like, y'all are lying. I created that. It's named after my wife. Mattel did settle. um, And Mm -hmm. Jack Ryan later died by suicide following a stroke in 1991 so i guess we don't have a murder but we do have a death (laughs) um but Hmm, interesting yeah i thought that was interesting too but mattel settles a lot i think it's probably just cheaper they probably have enough money they're like
1: it's it's better pr to settle so it doesn't go to the the papers (laughs) um because yeah that's the thing like you're such a big company like the pr that's getting out isn't worth the money and again like the attorney fees and you know all of that Mm -hmm. stuff it's like yeah we'll just pay it and then move on and it's not worth our time basically yeah so ruth
0: was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1970 and she said the diagnosis left her really unfocused and distracted um so according to business insider in ruth's autobiography dream doll i did try to get this book because i was like i will Mm -hmm. read it it is 70 dollars on amazon i did not read it (laughs) <laughs> wow is
1: it like there's like must not be published anymore i guess yeah so, wow
0: it was 70 I would be interested to
1: read that but not at that price I, me too i was like perfect i'll know more about her um if you are listening to this episode and you are not currently a subscriber of our patreon please join so courtney and i can buy this book and we'll read <laughs> it and give you a book review <laughs>
0: um so again i don't know for sure if this is in the autobiography but this is what the mm-hmm. business art. Business Insider article said, Um, but she said that she felt like she was never able to like grab a hold of things and regain control. Like after she took time for her mastectomy, she was like, it just really like threw my mind off. I didn't feel like I could get things back together. Um, So Ruth served as president of Mattel until she resigned in 1973. And in 1974, Mattel acknowledged that it overstated some revenues and income. So they're like, "Eh, we messed up a little bit. Um,
1: so oopsie. new managers,
0: <laughs> yeah, whoopsie, um, and new managers began to, like, diversify, like, the plan after, like, their plans, and they basically, Ruth and Elliot, were completely out of Mattel by 1975, so they kind of berp, kicked them out. Hmm. And... Also in 1975, Mattel, the handlers and the company's outside auditors settled five shareholder suits that accused the toy maker of issuing misleading financial statements and overstating its 34 million dollar pre-tax income in 1971 by 15 to 20 million.
1: So that's a lot. Um, that's a big, a big jump there. To
0: overstate. Um, mm-hmm. Under the settlement, about $30 million was paid to shareholders. And the handlers surrendered 2 million Mattel shares. So this is not the end wow. of future crimes. <laughs> um, not future crimes, but future Uh, mishaps by the company. More to come. (laughs) Yes. So Ruth Handler and several other Mattel executives were eventually indicted by a federal grand jury for conspiracy, mail fraud, and giving the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, false financial statements for the company. It was a 10-count indictment that charged Ruth and Seymour Rosenberg, who was the former executive vice president, with falsifying internal business records about earnings Earnings and sales from 1971 to 1973, so they could influence Mattel's stock. So they're like they did this on purpose. They were trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get the stock to be more. Um, the indictment also stated that this was done to acquire other companies and borrow funds from Bank of America, alongside falling false information in a Bank of America loan application. So, a lot of um, fudging some numbers to put it. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. They just they they get real confused with those numbers, you know, they, they meant to yeah. put this over here
0: and they meant so... to put one less zero, they put two extra. Yeah, you know, it happens, you know. <laughs> so the indictment also stated that Mattel created fake documents that showed it was making 10 mil 10 million more in sales than it actually was. Again, a big number, especially when you think about it in like today's money. Like yeah. They were way Way saying they made more sales than they did. Um, exactly. And it says that Ruth and Seymour concealed false financial statements from its ex- external auditors. Um, and the indictment also named a former Mattel vice president, yes Yasu Yoshida, um, a former controller, Gloria Sears Billings, and a supervisor on the company's toy division's accounting team, Paul Ashcraft, on one count each for making false reports to the SEC. So those people were all indicted in this. So, Ruth originally pleaded innocent, but she ended up pleading no contest. Um, she said she just didn't have the energy to fight it. She was like, I didn't want to. Um, so, Ruth and Seymour were each fined $57,000 and sentenced to 2,500 hours of community service during a five-year probation period. So, that's wow, a lot of probation, <laughs> a lot of community service. Yeah. Um, And Ruth would later say it was mostly the marketing guys who'd messed it up and they did the dirty work, but they were not indicted. Um, And she said the mix up almost sent her to jail and she was quoted saying, "Um, I wanted to die of shame. I had always prided myself on being fair and honest and always valued my business reputation. And she kind of started trying to hide. She would take the freight elevator in her apartment building to avoid stairs from her neighbors. She stopped going to the country club that she went to all the time, just kind of became a little mm-hmm. bit like recluse. Cause she was like Man. ashamed. I also don't know because like Ruth and Elliot did not come from families that had big businesses. If, they didn't know how to run a big company yeah, or that's true they were listening to people who shouldn't have been listening to you know
1: i don't i don't know how much yeah how much was malicious and how much was just not understanding or yeah yeah because i mean um, obviously like mattel and barbie were super successful so it's not like they like needed to lie about that you know unless mm-hmm. like because it's, I mean, maybe Courtney will correct me in a minute since she's telling me the story, but it doesn't seem like anything ever, like, came to light of, like, oh, like, this company was actually broke. So it's, like, they wouldn't really no. have a reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the other three defendants in the case also pleaded no contest, and they were fined 5000 each and sentenced to 160 hours of community service. Um, Ruth did later say she thought the U.S. Attorney's Office went harder on her because of her gender. She thought they saw Mm -hmm. a powerful woman and wanted to take her down. Her sentence was more significant than the other defendants besides Seymour. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, a much different sentence. I mean, I guess she had more counts. Um, But that is her opinion. I will not say whether that is what happened, but those are her words on what Mm -hmm. happened. Um, And unfortunately, since most everyone pleaded no contest, there aren't many details besides what I summarized. There's a few documents online they're, like, through the SEC, but honestly, they were kind of boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just got very, very lawyer talk and, like, mm-hmm. into the business talk where I thought I might, you guys might start falling asleep on me. Um, <laughs> So I summarized it the best I could of, like, everything that happened. But because mm-hmm. there's no trial, no people testifying, no anything like that, that's kind of about what we have on that case.
1: Yeah. And I think that makes it hard, too, to know, like, like we said, like what was intentional, what was you know getting bad advice, what was just making mistakes, what was you don't really know without having kind of all of those details because they're just like yeah we'll just we're just gonna plead this down and and move on with our lives.
0: Yeah, but if you were someone who is like a lawyer, super into business stuff, and you want like that super super in detail, like you can find that especially if you Google Seymour uh, Rosenberg's name um, that. Is the stuff that pops up when you Google his name. Poor guy. Um <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. So I guess maybe not. Maybe he was maybe he was doing shady business stuff, but it <laughs> did oh well. <laughs> so after her charges, Ruth moved on to another business adventure, which I did not know about this. Um, so as we had mentioned, Ruth had breast cancer in the early 1970s and undergone a mastectomy. So she saw a need for life a lot. She saw a need for life-like I uh, that word is so hard for me to say. I don't know why. I practiced it a lot. That um, is a hard word. I just doesn't sound right. But like when I say it. But mm-hmm. um, she wanted to be designed by women for women. So she created Roots and Corp in 1976 and man- manufactured the Nearly Me. And a team of eight women, most who were breast cancer survivors, would go to different department stores selling the product. And Ruth would kind of do her signature like stripped, strip act is what they would call it, where she'd remove her shirt to just demonstrate that people could not tell the difference between her real breast and the prosthetic one. So it's like kind of like before boob jobs were a thing, mm-hmm. it could yeah. give woman, women who had had mastectomies the allure of their normal breast without surgery and like Mm -hmm. being able to have that yeah um ruth even fit then first lady betty ford with a mm, prosthesis after her mastectomy so even you know a first lady was getting this um and she eventually sold the company to kimberly clark in the 1990s and ruth used to joke that she lived her life from breast to breast (laughs) which I thought was funny.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) She seems to have a good sense of humor, if nothing else. (laughs) That's true. So even though she did sell the company, she would continue to educate women on the importance of screenings for early detection of breast cancer. And she said that she didn't make a lot of money with that company, but it was a way to like rebuild her self-esteem and kind of do like a passion project. That's kind of how Mm -hmm. I see it. So Ruth and Elliot's son, Kenneth, died on June 11th, 1994. Um, Ruth told the public it was due to a brain tumor, but there was a lot of speculations that it could have been due to like AIDS-related complications. Um, He had Mm. come out as gay to both his parents and his wife. Um, In 2019, a journalist claimed to have confirmed his cause of death was due to a brain tumor. I don't know the legitimacy of that. He said it was like looking at correspondence between Ruth and Kenneth's doctor but Mm, I don't know (laughs) I don't know Um, either way he did pass away in 1994 when he was pretty young Mm, that's so sad and Ruth did die on April 27th 2002 at the age of 85 Um, she had complications from a colon surgery that had been performed three months earlier Um, and Elliot died in 2011 from heart failure and as far as I can see Barbara Handler is still alive So, as we all know, Barbie was released in theaters in 2023 and did feature Ruth Handler. Um, If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you didn't like it, fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, So, she's played by Rhea Perlman, who's known for Cheers, Matilda, a lot of other TV and film One thing I didn't know is that she was married to Danny DeVito for
1: like years. Did you know that? I think I did know that because of Matilda. Yeah, I think I I remember reading that. that. I don't know how I didn't know that.
0: Um, But (laughs) I was shooketh. I guess I just don't pay attention to people's spouses enough and celebrities. (laughs) But um. So in the movie Barbie, she first appears in like a 1950s style kitchen and Mattel headquarters. Later, she does reveal she's Barbara. Barbie's creator and says, I am Mattel, at least until the IRS got me, which is kind of a little <laughs> kind of also how inspired this episode was on Girls mm-hmm. Weekend rewatching Barbie. And I was like, hey, maybe
1: I should do that. Um <laughs> didn't realize there was so little information. <laughs> yeah. We were hoping to uncover some juicy information. And, you know, we got a little bit, but mostly, you know, yeah. Kind of had to Not... skim the surface, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> Very much like a like a white collar crime that wasn't even mm-hmm. like. It was a little serious, but obviously the company is still doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Greta Gerwig was said that she felt it was essential to include Ruth obviously because she was a creator but also because ruth created barbie and named it after her daughter so Mm -hmm. barbie is a movie partially about like the mother-daughter relationship and she said like ruth chose to name her creation after her daughter and that is kind of what helps tie in this like mother-daughter relationship like Mm -hmm. it couldn't have as strong of an element as this if we didn't include ruth like she felt it was very important and i feel like ruth is kind of like the I don't want to say guardian angel, but she's kind of like the voice of reason and is like helping, mm-hmm. you know, Barbie be like, you can be whatever you want to be. Like you go out into the world. Like I created you, but you get to choose who you are and like what you want mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Very symbolic. Yes. So. that is the story of Ruth Handler and her crimes um, with Mattel and her business. Um yeah unfortunately not a lot of like juicy details um and Mm -hmm. i feel like if i got too much into those sec documents we'd all fall asleep (laughs) but (laughs) unfortunately a little bit shorter of an episode um not as much but you know we made this joke in the patreon
1: february is a short month and we're ending it with a short episode (laughs) exactly you know it all ties in um but no i still found that very interesting um and hopefully you guys like something a little more lighthearted. that you know you, you still had the crime in there you know we're not solely mm-hmm. a murder podcast just a crime podcast so you had some crime but you got to learn some barbie fun facts and i mean it seems like ruth really was like a very genuine person you know yeah from yeah know, so what i can tell obviously yeah i hope
0: that you know i don't also don't feel like anyone that i know of is saying like she's a horrible person she should Mm -hmm. be canceled you know i feel like she went on and did stuff it's like Mm -hmm. she may have fucked up in her business but it doesn't seem like she was a horrible person
1: yeah yeah so it doesn't seem like she was out to get anyone or you know yeah anything like that but yeah thank you for this espresso courtney for sharing this lovely and hopefully you guys found
0: it interesting and let us know if you have ones like this where it's like yeah crime adjacent we can call it crime adjacent you know like there is a crime that occurred it's not you know but it was interesting i liked you know
1: we we need these lighthearted ones too okay so hopefully you guys also do
0: (laughs) yes at one point i had my computer open and kevin goes why are you researching barbies Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't ask
1: any questions. Okay.
0: He was very Um, scared. I assume.
1: (laughs) Probably. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna let you do your thing. Speaking of Barbie, kind of, but speaking of dolls. So I was listening. I didn't tell Courtney this, but I gotta share it with everybody. I was listening to the um, that's messed up, which is an SVU podcast, and they were talking about how I think it was their producer had just had a baby or something, and one of the hosts was like, "Oh, I need to see if they make like little like baby podcasting equipment because you know, like Courtney got Millie like a little like baby like." A dumbbell and a baby like Apple Watch, and you know, those kinds of things that like hobbies that you can get little things for kids. And she's like, Oh, I need to see if they make like baby podcasting equipment. So I was like, Oh, do they? So I'm like looking it up. I couldn't find one for babies, but I found like a whole like American Girl doll like podcast recording setup. So like they each have like headphones and a mic, and there's like a camera. And I'm like, <laughs> Courtney, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like I just need to go ahead and get that now because they're probably not going to make it anymore by the time we're in the American Girl doll era. So I should probably just get that and hang on to it. But I'm I'm ready for that. I, I can't yeah. wait. <laughs>
0: that sounds sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, Courtney, keep it even more lighthearted. What is your perk of the week? <laughs> so my perk
0: of the week is every year Kevin and I say we're going to do this and we always don't. So, But we actually did it this year where we're trying to watch the majority of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture for the Oscars. So oh, nice. normally we'll watch one or two, but... This year, we've watched five of the ten, so we're halfway, wow.
1: mm-hmm. and we have, like,
0: another week or two to, like, maybe get another one in. <laughs> so, originally, the movie I wanted to watch, um, you had to pay $20 to rent it, and in this day and age Ugh. of streaming, I mm, refuse. No. Um, And so... Absolutely not. <laughs> we found the movies that were on streaming, and so mm-hmm. I chose one, and I didn't really know much about it. I hadn't heard much about it. It was called Past Lives, and my God, how I loved this movie. (laughs) Like... I haven't heard of it. I hadn't either. But it's Mm -hmm. basically, it's like a Korean American film. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of like, they speak Korean in it, but they also speak English, um, which was hard because we couldn't have the subtitles on because then it would be like, so-and-so is speaking and go over Mm -hmm. the subtitles. But a lot of it was in Korean, so it wasn't too big of an Mm -hmm. issue. But Um, it's about these two kids who are, like, 12 years old who are, like, best friends, and then the girl, like, migrates, um, so she goes, I think, to, like, Canada or whatever, like, she ends up in the U.S., but basically are separated and they, like, find themselves, like, 12 years, find each other 12 years later, and then another 12 years later, like, find each other again, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of one of those, but, like, it just took me on journeys, like, I wasn't expecting and it didn't, it was so beautifully done. Like, the Mm -hmm. The, like, writing was so good. Just so, mm-hmm. like, literally, like, after the movie, I just sat there. And Kevin was like, are you... I was like, I, I just have to sit here and process. And I even cried a little bit. I was, like, just thinking yeah. about it, like, crying. Like, yeah. it was just so beautiful. And um, I don't think it's going to win Best Picture just because of what it's up against. But it mm-hmm. is nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which mm-hmm. last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was my favorite movie last year, won. So I'm like... Mm-hmm. Let's like, hope this one win wins. But yeah, it's this woman's like writing and director debut. It's her first movie, wow. and mm-hmm. it was it was sweet, and it was That's amazing. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> like, well, I have to check it out for sure. You you sold me. It's on <laughs> Showtime. Um, okay. it's only like an hour and a half. Like, it's not a super mm-hmm. long movie. Um, I don't know. I just. I truly, truly thought it was beautiful. And the conversations mm-hmm. had in it were just beautiful. Like, yeah. it was so good. Anyway, that is was my first week. Is Everyone, <laughs> please go watch that. And if you've watched it, tell me what you think. Because maybe I'm, like, biased. But it, I don't know. Something about A24, that studio, just makes films I love, apparently. Because mm-hmm. everything, everywhere, all at once had the same, like, impact on me. Where I kind of just mm-hmm. still think about it, like, frequently. So,
1: mm-hmm
0: absolutely loved it kevin liked it he was like you made a good choice this was a good movie like we both it's really enjoyed good. it so mm-hmm. nice yeah so that is my perk of the week jacqueline what is your perk of the week
1: so my perk of the week is that my newest niece was born this week on valentine's day so love to have a little valentine's day baby in yeah the family. a little valentine baby yes um and she is absolutely adorable just the cutest thing um so very excited She is beautiful and i don't say that a lot about newborns but that baby beautiful she is like a lot of newborns you're like oh yeah no this baby is gorgeous to find their features most of the time like you know my
0: sister will say it my niece i love her she's the most beautiful kid in the world but (laughs) sometimes you look at them when they first born and you're like oh I don't remember I was, you looking like that. When I that's what I back. told
1: Andrew. I was like, oh man, she way prettier than Millie was when she was a newborn. <laughs> yeah, it's like the newborn, they're just like finding those features, but oh man, exactly. she found them.
0: She found them yeah, in she, the womb.
1: She came out ready to go. Yes, she is absolutely gorgeous um so yeah just super excited to welcome her to the world and Millie got to hold her and she's very jealous so we'll see how that goes
0: but <laughs> <fun>. oh no <laughs>
1: she did not like that her pappy was holding the baby and <laughs> she kept saying can you put brightland into her crib now can you put her in her crib now oh no <laughs> well at least so, you know
0: it'll give her some it'll some, be good for her it'll be for good sure. for her to share that attention because i guess she yeah. has been like the only other like grandkid well who's like here yeah she's like the youngest of them mm-hmm. all so it'll yeah. be good for her for whenever you guys decide to have baby number two yes. to get some of that jealousy out
1: <laughs> <laughs> get some some experience in uh having another child around um yeah, and I think once she's old enough to, like, play with her, you know, it'll be a yeah. whole different story. But, you know, right now, it's just like, but, but who's, who's this thing coming in here? <laughs> yeah, what's <laughs> happening here? Wait a minute. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is my perk of the week. And then also just the fact that we got to, like, meet her the day that she was born and didn't have to, like, wait for, like, our next trip up here. Like, whenever mm-hmm. that was, like, she was born at, like, 7 a.m. and, like, 5 o'clock on the dot, we're, like, scrambling in the car. Like, mm-hmm. go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that is my perk of the week. Our little Valentine's baby. Yeah. Um. So let us know
0: your thoughts on this episode. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you have any other like recommendations that are similar to it? Because I do think it's fun to have a little nice like palate cleanser episode every once in a while. You know, we mm-hmm. won't do it all the time. We won't turn into a podcast that like never talks about crime <laughs> um, or anything like that. But it's still fun to like throw these in. Yeah. Um, you can find us everywhere. In the show notes, you know where we are. We're on all the platforms. It's Caffeinated Crimes. Just Google it. You'll find it. Um, But the most important platform that you definitely need to find is Patreon.com slash Caffeinated Crimes, where we talked about a bonus. It comes out Thursday. Um, Mm -hmm. It is about um, accidents that turn into laws. So Mm -hmm. our favorite thing to do over there. Um, and then you also can get a pen and sticker. You can get ad-free episodes, Discord access. There's just a lot of perks over there that are really great. Um, so please go check us out over there.
1: Yes. And as always, any five-star reviews that you can leave us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, if you can give us thumbs up on YouTube, anywhere that you're listening, if there's somewhere that you can rate us, um, it is much appreciated. You know, let us know what you like. Um, if you don't like something, let us know that privately. You don't need to put that in a review. You know, just- no. Only what good i like to say if you want to
0: give a one star come to us and talk to us if yes. it is something that cannot be resolved okay but um maybe we can change your mind yes yes probably so not but, you know we just be appreciate. kind
1: <laughs> just be nice to us we have feelings <laughs> yeah
0: but uh in the meantime go have a cup of coffee
1: and don't commit a crime